Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Just Talking Sports. We are here live at WAPX FM, Clarksville's 91.9, and also will be on YouTube at APSU TV. You, me, I, I am Marcus Modi. I got my partners, Patton Cook on my right, Gabe Jones on my left. What it do? Hey, let's just go ahead and get right to it. Let's do it. First off, we're going to start with college football here locally, and that is Austin P. Austin P. played ETSU this past Saturday, and unfortunately, they did not come out with the win. The score was 17 to 10. Guys, I just want to ask you, what was your guys' thoughts? Because I have a lot, but I don't want to like spoil everything for the viewers and the listeners. Usually with Austin P, it's a, it's a tale of two halves. And I think we saw that again uh, for Austin P, especially with Javon Craig. You had him really get going early. I liked, I liked what I saw. He's continuing on from last week against uh, Mercer, I do believe. He had finished with 218 yards, but towards the end, I, I specifically was watching that final drive, and he had two opportunities to kind of lead um, lead Austin P back and end up winning winning this uh, winning this game. And for the first drive, he started off well. He started hit to hit passes just kind of here and there. And then he just made kind of countless throws that he didn't need to make, and that's – that's what, something I was kind of surprised at because I didn't see much of that from Javon Craig in the past two weeks. I saw him throw what the defense was giving him. He wasn't forcing things into type, type spots. And his two, uh, his two turnovers were the same throws to me. They were both into double coverage. And unfortunately for them, that was kind of their, their wrongdoing. But you got to say their defense gave them, gave them a chance to win. They had two, uh, two straight stops to have their offense come back out on the field, to give them a chance to win this one but unfortunately their offense just couldn't get it done and I think we're starting to hear that a little bit more and more is their defense keeping them in games but their offense just not being able to pull it out especially with this backup quarterback they've that they've got in which I'm still impressed with but not as much last week guys I think it comes mm -hmm. down to um Craig uh mm -hmm. our offensive line has allowed their first sack this whole year. Yeah. First sack in 276 consecutive plays. Um, our receivers, Wilson, he got nine receptions. Um, can tell, I, do we know what's going on with him? He isn't he isn't playing as well as he has in previous years. Well, I th I th they're just selling out for him now. They're uh, they're really stacking the box, especially yep. with Craig in there. They don't feel the, the, the dangerous of Jeremiah Oatesfall back there. And with Kentel also, they everybody knows – they have three years of film on him. They right. know that when he gets to that outside, he can be very dangerous. So we're going to let him go inside, go between the tackles. And and that's something he's going to have to face if he wants to play at this next level mm -hmm. because teams are not going to let him just bounce out, bounce outside every run. He's going to have to run between the tackles. But even then, I thought he was doing that to really some success, especially last season and then at the beginning of this one. But – Teams are just selling out for him, and unfortunately for Austin P, they're going to have to live with that until Javon can show that he can kind of spread it out more than just one receiver. And I think that more now is that he's going to have eight guys in the box right. to where it's going to be a free man no matter what, whenever he hands off the ball, whether it's going to be a safety. It might be an extra linebacker where somebody's going to be after him where it's going to be maybe a two-on-one situation for Kintel that might not work in his favor because – they don't have faith in the passing game. Right, and a lot of the times when you see your team getting behind, that's when they're not giving the ball to the running back. And Austin P wasn't behind at much at all, so 
15 carries for me is not enough. Uh, he had five yards per carry, so it's not like he was getting stuffed every single time he touched it. But 15 seemed a little low to me. But once again, I get it. Towards the end, most of their possessions they were behind. They feel like they had to force stuff, and that's when they got in trouble with uh, Javon Craig. And from the looks of it, he's going to have to continue being that backup as it doesn't look like Cre or uh, Jeremiah Oatswell is going to be back in there, which is something we'll talk about a little later on. But they're going to have to figure out how to open this thing up just a little bit because their offense, you'd have to say, is starting to let their defense down a little bit. Because you only gave up 10 points right. like, for the majority of that game. All right. mm -hmm. And in the first half, you scored the 14 points. That first drive, it seemed like really good. That 54-yard pass to D'Angelo Wilson to score that touchdown. And then your second drive, it was about 352 left in the second quarter where you march down the field and punch it in about 14 seconds with Kentel Williams. So it looked like it was in their favor. And then after then, those defensive adjustments came for ETSU. And it stopped the governor's offense as a whole. And one of the positives, I, I know we're doom and gloom here, one of the positives that we've seen, you mentioned it just a little bit, was D'Angelo Wilson. He's got three 100-yard games out of four, and his low was 73 yards against Central Arkansas. So this is a guy that's shown – even with a backup quarterback, he's shown that he can get open quick for Javon, give him an, uh, an open target. But other than him, the receiving core hasn't been up to par. And I, I looking at the two deep, they've got Keenan Barnes now above um, a, an, another receiver that I can't quite put my finger on right now, but I believe it's Josh Alexander. But he's right now the big target. Could be a tight end uh, in most teams, but right now he's a receiver. I think they need to open it up to some of the other guys because right now D'Angelo Wilson's doing all he can do for Javon Craig. And I think – I'm sorry, Gabe. Would you like no, to say something? No, I think you are putting it out there beautifully, Patton. Um, there, our defense is playing outstanding. We, As you said, Marcus, we held him at 10 points until the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. um, I think that our offense just couldn't get going. Our defense gets tired, two scores at the end. Right. And also one thing that's a great point. With Keenan Barnes, it seemed like that connection hasn't really been there because with Oatsfault, he got a lot of spring ball reps. So he got a lot of reps with the right. starter. But now that backup is a little, uh, I don't know what yeah. he likes to throw with that. It's yeah. a little hesitant. And with Craig, I don't know where to put the ball at for him, where's his go-to spots. But moving forward, hopefully that connection gets better because you see with Wilson and Harley that they – they know each other that because right. they played, but that connection because Barnes is a transfer from Louisiana Lafayette, it's somewhat questionable right now. It's a little bit not much. Let me say not enough confidence between right. the two. Well, really, in the first game against uh, Central Arkansas, and then the previous one, you had Oatsfall really going after Keenan Barnes. He was throwing it up there for him to get all his kind of pass targets were ones that were lobbed up for him and a chance to kind of make a play, and he made one or two of those, and we just haven't seen Craig trust him, I would say. He hasn't had, had that trust in him to kind of just throw it up there. He's found his trust elsewhere with Benico Harley and also D'Angelo Wilson. So, no, don't get it twisted. There's talent on this offensive roster. They just kind of kind of work through some, through some things, especially when you've got your backup quarterback in there who hasn't been getting the reps since spring. But that's things only can improve – with reps in practice this week. I got one question for you guys. Would you want Javon Craig really just throwing the ball 30 to 35 times in this offense? I don't know. I, To me, I would rather 
have Kentel have the ball a little bit more than what he is right now. I feel like they're trying to have the defense think we're okay, we're throwing with Javon Craig, no point in stacking the box, but the defenses aren't buying it, and they're still stacking the box with eight, nine, ten, <laughs> eleven guys at some point. But that's just things they're going to have to work through. I'm not sure how the number they want Craig at in terms of throwing the ball, but to me I would look to kind of lessen it down and even – put some trick plays back there. I know they had that touchdown pass with Benico Harley all the way down to D'Angelo Wilson in week one or two. I'd like to see a little more of that, maybe get some uh, a wildcat formation with Kentel, just get him the ball in other ways that the defense isn't ready for. It would be beautiful to see our offense open up in multiple different ways. Um, I know we have, we have backup quarterbacks that uh, here are capable of, so I would like to see, you know, open up some trick plays, as Padden says, um, to get those quarterbacks some reps. Maybe, maybe you know, just try something different. Because Craig uh, against ETSU went 18 of 36. I would like to see Craig not just be around that 50 to 55, 55% passing. If he can get to that 60, 65, it will also open up the run, the game. run game. Absolutely. Because – that's why teams are not afraid of him because if you throw the ball 36 times and only complete 18 of them, okay, we're going to be like, okay, he can't really throw the ball efficiently. So he's going to make – it's some plays that he's going to make. He might make a big play here. He might make, play, make a big play there. But we know that it's not efficient. So we know that, okay, we can go man-to-man on the outside and have one safety at the top, and we can just load the box waiting on Kentel. We can – wait on Tanner, we can wait on Mamadou to get the ball. Right, and give one thing that Austin P's done well. They, they've they opened it up for Craig to where he's not only throwing intermediate five-yard routes and they're not letting the corner sit on him. They're trusting him and let him, letting him go deep. And for me, watching the second and third game, that's his strength, is pushing the ball down the field as crazy as that is. He gets in trouble when he goes kind of short, shorter routes, five, ten-yard routes, but – when he's airing it out there to his receivers, I think he's given his guys a chance. And give credit to Austin P. They're trusting in Javon Craig, although this past game it didn't necessarily work out for him. They're trusting in him, and as they should, as he's a senior, this is his last year of eligibility. And I know he wants to do himself and his team proud uh, moving forward. Because there's going to be a lot of pressure heading on into OVC play this Saturday here at home yep. against uh, OVC Powerhouse who is ranked in the FCS Jacksonville State, and Jacksonville State is not going to come to play. Absolutely, and I've started to do, to do a little prep on Jacksonville State as I'm doing the broadcast this Saturday, and they are who they are. They are who they usually are. They're the best team in the OVC. Last year was the first time we really saw a team in Jacksonville State get beat and kind of show any, uh, any kind of weakness, really, because in the years past – to me, it, just from uh, an outsider, not a player, it looked all mental from teams going in there, knowing that no one has beaten this team in years. And you had SEMA do it last year. And to me, Austin Pease show has seen that they can be beaten. And a lot of the time, that's half the battle, is just knowing that I'm just as good as these guys, why not us mentality. And I look for this game to be just as close as it usually is against Jacksonville State as it's at home. The crowd will be big. It's family weekend here at Austin Peace. We have a little more fans uh, in the stands as usual, but I'm excited for this one, uh, no doubt. Zarek Cooper. 
The man is averaging over 300 yards passing per right. game. He is he's going insane this year. Um, as far as the running backs for um, for Jacksonville, they haven't been showing much. I believe he's their leading rusher as well. Right. And their receivers are okay. I was speaking with some guys on the team. They believe that they can lock their receivers up if they if they keep their receivers, you know, close. Make it make it tough for them to get open. I think that. They believe that we can, we can get off a win. Jacksonville State, uh, they have three receivers who have 300 yards as a total for each receiver. And last week, Pearson, their one of their receivers, had three touchdowns, and also had a really outstanding game to the point where he was OVC Offensive Player of the Week. So that secondary is something to watch out for on this Saturday because if that passing game is going. And then Austin Peay's offense isn't flowing. Good luck. And one big thing that I'd like to mention on Zarek Cooper, he's a transfer out of Clemson, and you're thinking, my goodness, how did he get out of there? Well, he was only sitting behind Deshaun Watson, <laughs> Kelly Bryant, and now you've got the, the big guy up there, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. So that's <laughs> that's that's one hell of a, a quarterback competition. And unfortunately for him, he just couldn't break through, and I don't think there's any shame in that necessarily. And one thing on the running backs, uh, in their two deep, they've got three guys, so they're trying to just find anybody who can give them any sense of running back play. And one of the big things that Austin P's done well this season is stopping the run. So I don't see them starting their uh, starting to help themselves this week, as they've got John Wesley Whiteside and uh, Hodges as well, uh, the big guys up front. So I don't see them necessarily getting gashed on the on the run, but. One big thing for me, those wide receivers, they've got a six foot four guy and then Hester who is six foot seven. So my goodness, I, you can only imagine what's going to be happening this week. It's, I mentioned it in, in the last episode with Lawan Winningham. They, they just threw it up to him and let him go get it. I, I expect a lot of more of that because right now Austin P has shown that their corners aren't turning their heads. They're not turning around. So just have uh, your quarterback throw it high, and if anything, have it underthrown, and the receiver will fight back, force a penalty, or catch a big play. Hester, that's Jamari Hester, and also Josh Pearson, who was Offensive Player of the Week this week. So, Wontarius Bryant, Isaiah Norman, and that secondary, they're going to have a tough task. I think it's going to be an air raid uh, uh, game this Saturday between both quarterbacks. Whoever wins that passing battle is I think will ultimately win this game. Ooh, I don't I don't like our chances if that's what you think. Yeah, well it it still looks like Javon Craig is gonna be the quarterback because we received the two deeps today and he's still uh quoted as the number one guy and then behind him is another backup. So unless uh Hudspeth is gonna pull a fast one and have um Oatsfall out there. I haven't seen him at all on campus. Usually I see some of the guys just kind of walking around and I haven't seen him really with crutches. So I don't know what's going on, on in that department, but it's going to be tough no doubt as it should be. There's a, a top uh 10 team in the FCS. Patton, I'm not I can't confirm this, but I I heard on the broadcast on Saturday that he was out for the season. Oh. So if if Oatsfall is out for the season, that's going to be a tough blow for the governors. But Hopefully he isn't, but we will just know more in the future. Yeah, and uh, you'd hate to – you just hate for that to happen. One 
quote-unquote good thing that would happen out of that. Uh, Oatesville could redshirt this year, so we wouldn't lose any year of mm-hmm. eligibility. And I guess looking forward, not much this year, but looking forward to next year, you've got quite quite a co- competition with Bryce Robinson redshirting most likely this year. And you got Oatesville coming off an injury, so tough times for Austin P. if that's the case. Moving forward to the college football top 25 matchups, I like that Auburn versus Texas A&M. It was a close battle. Auburn came out with the victory. I like Bo Nix. He has a very peculiar name for me. Not just peculiar name, but I like his play style. I like Auburn's play calling with Nix because Nix, he didn't throw it efficiently. He was 12 of 20 for only 100 yards. So it wasn't the best day for him, but they realized the weaknesses for Texas A&M and it was the run game and they capitalized on that. And no doubt everyone's seen that picture of, of a young Bo Nix with the uh at, at the national title game with a former t- or an actual Titan, Darren Bates, he's in the crowd and you've got a young Bo Nix wearing a Cam Newton jersey. <laughs> I mean, that's just things you love to see. This kid's grown up wanting to be an Auburn quarterback and he's doing exactly that right now is going back a couple weeks ago he played Oregon and he just led that fantastic drive to go back and win it. And this week was more of the same, just doing what he can. The kid's a winner. He's won wherever he's gone in high school, playing in Alabama, and now here for Auburn. And one thing that Gus Malzahn's got to say is coming into it, he's one of the, the the coaches on the hot seats, without a doubt. And right now he's the number eight team in the country. Good for Gus Malzahn. He does it, seems like every time he's in trouble, he kind of fights back and either beats Alabama or does what he can. Reminds me a little bit of uh, – of another coach that just kind of keeps finding a way to stay in a job, Derek Mason's who I'm thinking of, and <laughs> keeps beating Tennessee and stays on. So good for Gus and uh, good for Bo Nix. And this is a team that Alabama's got to watch out for. They've got two teams they better watch out for, this Auburn Tiger team and also the LSU uh, LSU Tigers. So uh, I, I like a competitive SEC, and we saw that in this game, Auburn versus Texas A&M. What do you I, think about Clemson? Well, uh, of course, Clemson's gonna. Uh, Clemson and Alabama are definitely gonna meet in the national championship. I don't think there's any doubt about it. It's funny that you brought up Clemson because Clemson played Charlotte, and the coach for Charlotte was Will a Healy. former Austin P coach, Will Healy. Mm. And Clemson, that was a a lopsided affair. The score was fifty-two to ten. Mm. Trevor Lawrence only threw nine passes. He was seven of nine. Wow. Well, I'm sure uh, Will Healy will be. Drying his tears to all the money that Clemson <laughs> gave him a- after that game, which fair play to Will Healy getting that game scheduled. Austin Peay's got a few of those games coming up in the next couple of years against power-ranked opponents like that. But Clemson, uh, they barely lost anybody. If anything, they lost their uh, Hunter Win- Renfro. They seemed like that guy had been there forever. <laughs> Other than that, they've got their core. They've got, I'd say, I think their wide receiver core is better than Alabama's. They've got a couple kids out of Tennessee that – I, th- I tell you what, they just exposed every bit of Alabama's secondary in the championship game, and you're going to see more of that because I don't see Alabama, I don't see them being better than what they were last year, and if anything, you're going to have Trevor Lawrence be better than what he was last year, as scary as that is. And Clemson also has one of the easiest schedules. Right. They are Playing in the ICC Tech every <laughs> week, and... <laughs> I know Alabama gets a lot of flax for that, uh, playing some of these lower teams. Just look at Clemson's schedule. My goodness, they just played Charlotte. They played, uh, I think they play Harvard sometime this year. I mean, my goodness, it's just a, an embarrassment. But 
they do what they can. The committee's shown they're not going to punish you for scheduling these cupcake type of teams, so why risk it? I get why Alabama and Clemson do it. If it's uh, if it can't help you, why why do it? Another good game, uh, another SEC team that came out with a victory was Georgia versus Notre Dame. Jake Fromm, he's a legit guy, just plain and simple. He's trying to make a case for the Heisman, and he came up big when Georgia needed the most. And he may not have the stats that some of these other guys are going to have, but I don't think there's going to be a quarterback who's going to be in more big games than Jake Fromm. He's got Florida coming up. Tennessee's not a big game this week, but some other teams that, of course, this Notre Dame team, which I was really impressed with Notre Dame. I thought coming into this they'd be blown out by 20-plus. They showed they showed they're not your traditional Notre Dame team who plays nobody, and then once they play a big team, they just get waxed. But this this week they fought hard to the very end. And one thing for Georgia, DeAndre Swift, uh, good as advertised. All right, I will ask one question because Michigan did lose to Wisconsin. Do y'all guys think the John Harp, Jim Harbaugh era is over in Michigan? Well, Marcus, I saw you getting a little argument on Twitter. Uh, the folks at home will have to follow Marcus on Twitter, and because he always gets in these little these little spouts. And no, it was with I don't. A, it was with a former uh, former Real Talk person himself, Aaron King, but it wasn't even on oh, his real Twitter on. account. Hold on, <laughs> guys, I don't talk I don't talk reckless on Twitter. If you want to follow me, it's not on one Marcus with two S's. It was me and my former partner Aaron King just having a light debate on whether. Jim Harbaugh should be gone because, just be honest, he wins 10 games, but it's not against the high-powered teams. He loses to Ohio State. He loses to Michigan State. Those teams were when coming in, oh, yes, we're going to be the best team in the Big Ten, but you can't get it done. Those 10-win teams, the 10 wins seasons, doesn't matter when you don't beat the best teams. And Michigan fans will tell you they'd rather go eight, seven wins but they beat Ohio State that's the game they want to win they don't care about beating Rutgers every year and Syracuse every year they want these big games they want to kind of have their bragging rights on Ohio State fans and they haven't ha- been able to brag about anything over them for a couple years now and who who thought that Harbaugh would be kind of on the hot seat but I tell you what he's not winning the big games as you said Marcus and what as I just mentioned Michigan doesn't care about these kind of lower games. They just want to beat the big guys. 0-4 against Ohio State in the last four matches. He's 0-9 against a ranked top 10 team. It's not looking too good. No. It looks like uh, Harbaugh might be the the Kirk Cousins of coaching (laughs) in in college. And he's supposed to have a lifetime deal right now with Michigan. So that is, I know, should be up in the air. But moving forward, we're going to do – a college football player of the week. I'll start with mine. It is the Washington State quarterback who threw for nine touchdowns but ended up losing to UCLA. That is Anthony Gordon, 570 yards through the air, nine touchdowns, but still lost 67-63. to 63. Incredible. Mine is going to be uh, the LSU quarterback, Joe Burrow. I'm a uh, Nashville native, so – Typically, I'm not like some of these other frauds who be a <laughs> UT fan. I'm a Vanderbilt fan. And this week, Joe just came in to West End and uh, put put a beating on the old Vanderbilt defense. Vanderbilt usually is known for their great defense, not this week. 
He went for 398 and six touchdowns, no interceptions. He did all he could against uh, Vanderbilt. There was no resistance at all from him. And to me, Joe Burrow's putting together uh, – to me, he's the leader in, in the Heisman race. He's beating big teams. He's, ha- he's having great games. To me, that's my player of the week. Uh, my player is uh, Mr. Jamar Chase. Uh, Ten receptions, 229 yards, four touchdowns. Crazy numbers. Crazy numbers. What team is that? Who who does he play for? I believe he plays for LSU. L- oh. Is he a LSU guy? That's my first time hearing that name. Jamar Chase, yeah, he had four uh, touchdowns against guy. Vanderbilt. So, oh. oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, yes. Usually Vanderbilt's got a couple corners that they've liked to lock on people and pass Casey Hayward. And then just last year we had Jawan Williams go to the Patriots. This year, not so much. Uh, not so much. And we're going to be seeing a lot of that, unfortunately, for Vanderbilt. But – LSU's a real threat, and the SEC and the and the real country better be careful because right now they're four and zero, they're fourth in the country, and I think that's right where they should be. And I know a t- couple people have got them as the best team in the country just because what they've shown in in some of these other games. Looks like it's going to be another two team, two SEC teams in the college football yep. playoff. But we're going to move forward, and we're going to talk about a little soccer, Patton, because the Champions League, the Premier League. And a lot league league went away this past week. He padding here. He had a little trouble with Arsenal, but we're gonna save that for later on because Barcelona did play, Juventus did play. We're gonna start with Juventus in the Serie A. They won yesterday against Brescia two to one. C seven is being C seven. He's already got two goals and assists. I feel like they're still gonna be one of the top teams in Italy. Absolutely, and not only in Italy, I think they have a chance to win the Champions League because they've got one of the best rosters, just if you look at it. And the folks at home, if you don't care about soccer, just skip ahead. This this is for me right here. But uh, they've got one of the best rosters. They just signed De Ligt from Ajax in in the Netherlands, one of the best young center backs in the world. They also signed, unfortunately for myself, one of the best midfielders in the world, Aaron Ramsey from Arsenal, and he just came in and scored on his debut last week so this is a team that I don't care what roster they put out they've got really they're four deep at each position and mm-hmm. you don't see that a lot you've got Ronaldo at striker you've also got Douglas Costa, Guadrado, uh, Chiellini, Buffon I mean just you could rattle off a ton of these names and mm-hmm. it's it's, imp- it's impressive and usually as how it goes is Juventus runs away that with the league by say November and I don't see that changing this year as there's just a clear difference in Italy. It's it's kind of strange because you said in the Champions League they have a chance, but they have Manchester United winning as that, the odds of right now. Yeah, Manchester City. Well, and I'm that, sorry, just, Manchester City. Yeah, we we won't talk about Man United. They're with Arsenal <laughs> on Thursdays, but Manchester City they just steamrolled. Uh, uh, I can't be- remember exactly who it was. They seen steamrolled them like eight nil or something like that. It's Watford actually, and yeah, you just see that teams like that and it's just unfair they've spent one billion dollars in the past five years on players and it's all oil money and it's all uh, money from countries and it's just kind of hey Patton, Patton, we can't we can't we can't talk about the behind the scenes you, uh, you're gonna have we'll, folks we'll coming about it, you're, gonna, you're gonna have folks coming after you Patton. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, it's it's common knowledge <laughs> common knowledge but it it's a it's a real difference in the premier league and un- Thankfully enough, Liverpool has kind of broken through, and they've shown that 
they don't need all that money to kind of compete. They've found cheap deals. They found free deals. And they're right there with Manchester City and Liverpool's leading in front of Manchester right now. So it's one heck of a race at the top of the prim, and then there's a clear drop-off, as it usually is in most leagues. That's a great segue because Liverpool was the next topic to talk about because they did beat Chelsea. I think they still have a shot of winning the Champions League again. A lot of people don't think so. And just to keep in mind that Mo Salah is still a great – Mo Salah. Uh, just a great player. And any time you've w- shown that you can win it, that gives that just gives players more confidence that they can do it. And we saw this last year as they beat Spurs in the last year's Champions League final. And they've got a, a roster – they've got an 11 that can go up with anyone. The problem is if they have any injuries at all, that's especially the, to their top guys, Mo Salah, Van Dyke. They've also already had their goalkeeper knocked out, Allison. Mm-hmm. That's when they get in trouble, and that's with most teams. Then not everyone's going to have a Juventus and a Barcelona type roster where if one guy goes out, say Messi, he just got injured again this past week. It's all right; it doesn't matter. They can fill in another player that's just as good. And unfortunately for Liverpool and most teams, they just don't have that luxury. It's all up to luck, as it usually is in in the great game of soccer. Sometimes luck is on your side. Sometimes it it's not. Yeah. And Barcelona. As you said, Messi, it was a adductor, left adductor injury because he had got pulled at halftime against Villarreal, even though Barcelona won 2-1. to one. Griezmann, and if Griezmann and Messi can stay to play on the field at the same time, that's a really dynamic duo. It's just that Messi is missing a lot of games now. There's a lot more injuries than he's did in his past. And that's really sad for the world to see because – I know for the past 10 years we've all been debating Messi or, or Ronaldo. Ronaldo. And unfortunately, we're doing the same thing with LeBron. We're not enjoying these two together as mm-hmm. in, the, as in the same time period. We've got two of the greatest players in soccer history, and right now we're just fighting over who's the better player. And Messi, unfortunately, he's starting to me, he's starting to become to the end of his career. We saw this with LeBron last season. He was kind of getting banged up these little injuries that wouldn't affect him in his earlier years is really starting to affect him now and for Messi they really want him and Griezmann to be on the field as, at the same time as you mentioned because Griezmann in his own right is one of the top 10 15 players, players in the world. the world so unfortunately for Barcelona Messi's starting to pick up these injuries but I don't see them slowing up in La Liga uh, Real Madrid has got all problems to me Bale it doesn't seem like he wants to be there. They're still trying to place Ronaldo as any team would be, but that's a team in Barcelona that I don't think is going to have any problems at all staying at the top. It's just in where they want to be in Europe. I think they got a lot of distractions when trying to get Neymar, that big haul in, and now they're trying to refocus themselves, but also not having one of the best players in the world with constant injuries is going to be pretty hard for them. And Neymar is, uh, in his own right, it's just a distraction, uh, no matter if he's on your team or not. And right now he's certainly playing great football, but he's just not getting the job done for PSG. But we'll see how Barcelona can kind of uh, get back to their ways. As you mentioned, you had them wanting to get Neymar so desperately throughout the summer, PSG being very difficult about it not being able to get it, but that's life. Not every team is going to just pull in a top-five player whenever they like, and Barcelona is seeing that right now. And uh, But I think they'll just be they'll be just fine. Now, this last one, this is your team, Patton, because sure is. 
we talked a little bit while they was playing on Sunday, and it seemed like you was about to have a heart attack. <laughs> well, I, I know what you were doing. You're trying to push my buttons a little bit, letting me know that my team was down as if I wasn't watching it already. And <laughs> it was just a bad start from the beginning. NBC has got this NBC Gold program, mm-hmm. and not all the games are going to be on TV. So that product alone is like 15 bucks a month or something like that. I'm a college kid. I'm not paying 15 bucks a month, so I – did what uh, any teenager would do, find a stream on the internet and kind of watched it through that, and it kept pausing, delaying. The connection was bad, <laughs> so it was just a, a mess from the beginning. But Arsenal done what they usually do. They they make me question why <laughs> do I support them. And uh, the beginning, their defense just kind of doing what they've done. They've just kind of in sh- absolute shambles. They can't find a back four that they like comfortably. Mm-hmm. And luckily for enough for them in the second half, you had um, Pepe, his first goal for the club, coming over from uh, Neil and Leal, rather, uh, I believe like $70 million was his uh, buying price this summer. Getting his first goal from the penalty spot, drawing it to 1-1, and literally 20 seconds later, they uh, – that, that was a Villa. factor. That As- was that factor. Once they got their first goal, the confidence got back up because at first you had the injury and then you only had 10 men on the field. Right. So it was just like, oh, no, what's going on? And then that first penalty kick got in. I was like, okay, everything settled down. We know who we are. But you sound – Not so had, sure because had, they, they literally 15 seconds later conceded another goal. <laughs> so they were back down to 2-1 two, two, and – Thankfully enough, you've got players that really just refuse to lose, and Rob Hol- or uh, Callum Chambers rather draws it back to two-two, and then my favorite player on this Arsenal team, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, he scores the winner from a free kick, makes it three-two, and this is a guy that I believe he is severely underrated in the Premier League. I think he's the best striker in the Prem. All this talk about Harry Kane, uh, I think that's just English bias to me. And, <laughs> But to me, this is a guy in Pierre Aubameyang. He scored 16 and 6, 16 and 16, and he's really saving us right now. Because if if it wasn't for him, I, I believe we'd be mid table. We definitely w- wouldn't be in fourth place as we are right now. But definitely, thankfully, he's on our side. Definitely didn't, wouldn't got that win at all. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Harry Kane is a is a pretty good player. Padding up. Well, I, I, he's he's a great player, but. We won't even get into it because <laughs> I know we've got some Tottenham fans listening that don't, don't want to hear my rambles, so we'll we'll move on. Uh, from football to football. Football. Yeah. <laughs> the overseas football to American football yeah. in the NFL week three was underway. We had a lot of throwaway games, yes. a lot of <laughs> good games, though. The Ravens and the Chiefs, that was a pretty good game. Yeah. I know it draws a lot of question marks and attention to Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. Gabe, I want to ask you about Lamar Jackson because a lot of people said that "Eh, it was all right performance. Some people say it was a really good performance. How did you feel about it? Lamar, I believe Lamar is very talented, a very talented quarterback. Um, We know what we're getting from Mahomes. We know we're going to get three touchdowns at least. We know we're going to get 250-plus and we're, we know we're going to see some magic from Mahomes coming off his fingers. But with Jackson, um, he's he's a young quarterback. He he overthrew a lot of guys mm-hmm. last game. Um, I could count maybe five. I can I can just count five on my hands. And 
he made a lot of highlight plays because he was making his receivers go up to go get it. But I believe that as the season goes on, as he becomes more comfortable in his offense, the Ravens might be uh, a force in the AFC. No doubt. And this is the first game Lamar Jackson played where he knew the guy on the other side was better than better than him. I think we all can agree on that mm-hmm. with Patrick Mahomes. And he kind of got off to a slow start. And when you've got a, a guy in Patrick Mahomes on the other on the other side of the field, he's not going to slow down for you. Can't he's slow gonna, down. He's going to do what he does week in, week out. And unfortunately for Lamar, he just started out slow. And all this kind of uh, panic button, hit the panic button on Lamar, he exposed, exposed Lamar Jackson. I, he just had a, a rough week, and that's – to be expected against his first really big game he's played this season. And to me, he showed later on in that game that he's just fine. He can still do what he does on his feet. He hadn't been running much at all this season. And to me, I think he's got a real good shot to, as you mentioned, lead the Ravens in the AFC. With that defense, you could put me at the quarterback position. They've got a shot. (laughs) That defense and that run game, I think they've outrushed opponents by 100 yards for the last nine games in a row. Right. That's nuts. Mark Ingram was so big in that game. He had three touchdowns. And also, it exposed the Chiefs' defense saying that we can't stop the run. We might could stop the pass a little bit. But <clears throat> Patriots, uh, they're going <laughs> to probably run it down their throat in the AFC Championship if it happens. But I think with Lamar Jackson, some of his throws wasn't as accurate. He had chances to hit Hollywood Brown, his favorite receiver, didn't had nine Hollywood Brown had nine targets only two catches for about 40 yards if you get those connections and then Mark Andrews he seemed like one thing I've noticed in that game is that he loved his tight ends yes um, he just loves them no matter who was on the he loves the tight ends no matter what he does he has the deep ball routes and then also wherever his tight ends at that's like his second read almost mm-hmm. so that's very interesting to see because a lot of people don't look at their tight ends it's always a three tight ends that you can say that's the best tight ends in the league, and then it's a big drop off. Right. Yep. And one thing for the Chiefs, if anything, their defense is going to be what holds them back. Uh, we saw it a little bit last season against the Patriots. They just couldn't stop Tom Brady and Sony Michelle at all, and we're seeing more of that. And I would have thought, surely they make some sort of acquisition to kind of get back to where they were. Uh, they got a safety, uh, Tyron Matthew, in free mm-hmm. agency this year. The honey I don't, badge. I don't see that helping at all. I, they're still giving up big yards. They're still giving up the run game. And to me, I still see the Patriots beating them probably with ease unless it's in Arrowhead. That's the only way I think it was close last year was because of it being in Arrowhead. But if they go to Gillette with that defense – I don't see them winning at all just because Tom Brady knows what he can do against that defense, and he doesn't have to throw the ball. He can just turn around and hand it off to Sony Michelle. To be fair, Sony isn't having his best season. That's a great question. What is going on with Sony Michelle? Well, I don't, I don't know <laughs> what's going on with him. If he, if he isn't running the ball, we can't play him because he doesn't catch. He doesn't catch balls. Uh, we put in white for that, so we, we need him to do something. Something. I would have thought that Miami game would kind of get him some confidence, but still, as you mentioned, he's still kind of struggling, and you didn't have James White last week because of uh, childbirth. It yeah. seems like every week they've got 
Somebody, somebody giving birth, but congratulations. I know Belichick didn't like that. Congratulations like to James White <laughs> on your new child. Congrats. We just don't want to say that. <laughs> Bill Belichick might not be yeah, happy. Yeah, I'm not sure Bill like, necessarily <laughs> said that to you uh, missing James. missing a game, why? <laughs> <laughs> but to me, I, I, th- I think he's going to pick it up later on in this season. Uh, just kind of last season, it seemed like he had the same sort of problem, not getting the touches. This season he is, but he's not producing as well. But I see that kind of fixing up, uh, to be honest. Another game that I liked and I watched was the Falcons and Colts game. The Colts won by three twenty-seven to twenty-four, but the Falcons' offense looked really good. Guys, they actually went eighty percent on third down and wow. lost that game. Wow! And like, that's wow. usually how it goes. And you've got poor <laughs> Matt Ryan and Julio Jones just putting up monster numbers, and it still doesn't matter. Although their defense, to me, if you look at it on paper. They've got they've got Dion Jones. Uh, I know they just lost Keanu Neal, the safety, uh, two Once Achilles again. injuries. But if you look at that defense on paper, it should be a whole lot better than what it is. But once again, Jacoby Brissett. I got to give this guy credit because Jacoby. two weeks Jacoby. <laughs> Jacoby. <laughs> two, week, two weeks ago, I was writing this guy off. Uh, I thought what I saw from him two years ago when he came in for Andrew Luck when he missed the entire year, I wasn't impressed by him at all. But Really, you have to look at that Colts team, what it was, and what it is now because he's got, I think, the best offensive line in the NFL with um, Quentin Nelson at the helm, and you've also got Kelly, the center, and Costanzo at left tackle. I think that's the best uh, O-line in the NFL, and you've, you still also got T.Y. Hilton. And also, a guy who's not getting talked a lot about, Marlon Mack, he looks Ooh, to me exactly like Le'Veon Bell. I was at the Titans-Colts game. And it seemed like he was just kind of waiting for holes to develop like yes. Le'Veon would. He just stayed so patient back there. And he would just dart up field for 15, 20 yards. It seemed like every single play. So that's a guy who he takes pressure off, or off Jacoby Percet when he doesn't even need to because he looks as calm as he could be back there. A lot of people looked at me crazy because I called. I said the, that the Colts were still going to win the division even without Andrew Luck. But those receivers, T.Y. Hilton, T.Y. Hilton, he injured his quad once again. He re-aggravated it. And then Marlon Mack, he's still somewhat banged up too. If they can stay healthy, they right. have a really good shot. But as you saw in that second half, when T.Y. T. went out, that offensive passing game was stagnant. Right, and I know they got a touchdown from a former Titans practice receiver, Zach Pascal. So it just shows, I don't know what it is, but they just find these guys in the rough, and it just shows, but – one thing on the defense, they don't have Darius Leonard in right now. He's still coming back from injury. And that was a concussion, right? Yeah, and that's and that's an all-pro type linebacker, and he showed exactly what he could do last year. I believe he led rookies and tackles. So you just got a guy. You got multiple guys out, and they're still playing great football, a two and one on the season, and they've got some winnable games coming up. Guys, I want to ask y'all about the Rams and Browns. All right, so the. Rams did win this game 20 to the 13. But was it a good Rams game or just a bad Browns game? I think the Browns are once again are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. I think the Browns are they have pretty much all the talent in the world. I mean, they you got to you supposedly have a decent to good quarterback right now, which I one I believe that they're putting it in his hands way too much. 
I believe he's throwing the ball way too much, and he's not making good decisions with his throws. Uh, I think they should hand the ball off more. Um, and I, honestly, do are we questioning the coaching of the Browns? I think we I should. Think we should. We should. Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens. Absolutely. And there was a one of the last drives that they had was a fourth and nine in their own territory, and they decide to run a draw play. And why? <laughs> Browns Twitter, Titans Twitter, NFL Twitter was just, what are they doing? doing. And, yeah. and that's the one time when they take the ball out of Baker's hands when they need it in his hands. Fourth and nine, you're, gonna, you're not going to pick up a, a fourth and nine with Aaron Donald right in the middle on a draw play. and But also, it's a draw play. If you're if you're going to do that, you might as well punt the ball. That, yes. that, that doesn't make any sense. Yes. On fourth and nine, I'm going to hand it off. And I, and I like what Gabe said. In terms of names, they've got the biggest names in the NFL. you got Odell, Baker, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, Miles Garrett on the other side. And it's just an undisciplined football team. Once again, you're seeing uh, signs here and there of just guys that aren't buying in necessarily. You've got players kind of whispering behind the scenes. And for a team that hasn't won a whole lot, it's going to take time. And these, these guys don't know how to win, as crazy as that sounds. They don't know how to pull out close ones. And we saw that once again as you saw a team in the L.A. Rams know how to pull out mm-hmm. kind of tough, grimy, grinded out games and they did exactly that and one thing I like to talk on is Aaron Donald got his first sack of the uh, NFL season he's still the best defensive player I think I've ever seen just in terms of pure skill and pure strength when he doesn't even look that big but uh, incredible just watching this guy play you could just have a camera on him all season long and you could put together one of the best highlights do y'all know that he's 6'1 I know wow that I'm, I'm supposed he to be six foot. Yes. Yeah. He Patton is taller than Aaron Donald right wow. now. <laughs> that should explain. And I'm doing a, lot. a whole lot with it. <laughs> <laughs> that should explain a lot. But one thing I would like to say on this Browns team is that first and goal in your red zone, time on the clock, you down seven, and you go shotgun formation or four different formations, not outside of single back eleven personnel or 21 personnel with two tight ends, one running back, or a full back and a running back to hand the ball off. But you go empty set, shotgun formation, trip set on the left, or a trip set on the right, or doubles on both sides, and you're just like, why? And then also with Baker, it was times where he could literally run the ball in straight up the middle, and he could have scored. It's Now it's looking like he's more focused on everything else and thinking too much instead of just playing football. And I would get why if they put the ball in his hands at first and goal, they had a timeout left. I think they had over a minute left to go. If he was throwing for 400 yards and five touchdowns in that game, but he was far, far from that. He wasn't accurate for most of the night. He wasn't finding the open guys. It's just kind of baffling the decisions in red zone and in critical situations. And that's not Baker calling the plays. That's your head coach, Freddie Kitchens, who's never been a head coach before. If anything, he's called plays before. This this shouldn't be what we should be talking about with Freddie Kitchens. If anything, we should be talking about the undisciplined type plays, clock management. But instead we're talking about something he's comfortable in, supposedly, in calling plays. And that ultimately lost him the game. And Browns fans, I think they're starting to get a little, little restless, although they're happy to be where they are right now. 
just with a competent head coach, you could change some of these decisions. I feel sorry for that Browns fan who tatted uh, Super Bowl champs <laughs> on them because that might be a long and forgetful moment for him. <laughs> but moving forward, we're going to have the positive side of the NFL because we have these young quarterbacks thriving. Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes. I love that nickname. <laughs> Daniel Jones for the New York Giants. The New York football Giants, as somebody, some people say, they got to win a comeback victory against the Bucks. I want to tell you guys this. It's fun fact. It's, it's really funny to me. Daniel Jones is 1-0 when trailing 18-plus points. Eli Manning is 0-44 when that happens. <laughs> he, he's all, may, may I go on my, my Giants spiel? All right, Patriots fan. We lost to the Giants two years in the Super Bowl. I say we got well. The Giants got lucky on some on some passes, and they had a great <laughs> defense. Eli gets high every now and then. Him and Joe Flacco, pretty much same quarterback. Mm-hmm. Eli Manning, if his last name was not Manning, and he didn't win those two Super Bowls, he should have been gone at least five years ago. He is not great at all. I the their last coach got fired for benching him, pretty <laughs> much. Got fired. He's horrible. He's not good. So they finally get in a, a backup quarterback, and Dan- Danny Dimes comes in, makes fire. Let's go. I can finally like the Giants again. I was really happy for Daniel Jones uh, coming in. Kind of got lucky at the very end where you had the missed field goal, but who cares <laughs> at the end yeah, of the you day? Got the win. But I was really impressed because something Giants fans hadn't seen was their quarterback escape from the pocket because you just had an absolute statue with Eli Manning back there. If he had any pass rush at all, I know Tom Brady is not the most athletic guy, but he can move the pocket with the best of them. He can mm-hmm. step up, kind of shuffle in the pocket. But it seemed like with Eli, he just had no chance at all. And on that uh, final touchdown with Daniel Jones, he saw what Baker Mayfield should have done. He saw – is their playing man? Everyone had their back turned, so he just kind of scampered in for the score and ends up winning it. I'd like to talk a little about Jameis, but uh, I know we got to wrap it up. But really impressed with Jameis. He had Mike Evans a huge week. I think Jameis is going to be just fine. Mike Evans was the reason why I don't I don't I don't like Jameis, but we can we can save that for a later time because we're going to talk about Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, the backup quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We keep talking about uh, Jameis. Because <laughs> he picked up a win against the Titans. But I think he had a really good game. I think they're going more towards his side now and moving away from Leonard Fournette. So it's going to be very interesting because they're actually passing the ball. We haven't seen that in a, in a long time. Well, before the big game that he had, Leonard Fournette at the end, he had negative yards. He wasn't <laughs> He wasn't having a great night. and. Fortunately enough for the Jags, Minshew was just playing out of his mind, and I don't know if that's more to do with the Titans or the Jags, but you got to think, what are they going to do? Because they just signed up Nick Foles. They've got him locked down for three or four years. Do they trade away Minshew? I know this is really early talk, but to me, you've got a quarterback in Gardner Minshew who's young. You've got Nick Foles who's getting older. He just had a, a really nasty collarbone injury, and that's stuff that can only progressively get worse as you take shots. So good for the Jags as much as I hate to say it as that game was just a, a pain to watch. Kyle Allen for the backup for Cam Newton and the Panthers. He picked up a win, threw for four touchdowns. I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to snag him in my fantasy league right now because <laughs> he, he, he made the Carolina Panthers look like an offense. Cam Newton still out with that foot injury. Might have still that shoulder injury. 
hopefully he can sit out now knowing that Kyle Allen can go and get a W for them. I think Cam Newton's in serious trouble to me. Uh, what Kyle Allen did and probably the first drive is better than what anything Cam Newton granted. He was He's injured, but as old ball coaches will say, if if you're out on the field, you're healthy enough to perform. And he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't performing. In fairness to Cam, and I, I know Kyle Allen. They've also got Will Greer back there that they're kind of sheltering for right mm-hmm. now. But as as good of a debut as I've seen from Kyle Allen, uh, good for him. Josh Allen, I think uh, that's somebody else from the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are three and zero right now. Let's talk Bills. The last time the Bills beat us whenever it mattered, planking was a thing. <laughs> Dwight Howard was planking on social media. Planking was a thing. I think this was, what, two thousand like 2012 was the last time the Bills beat us relevantly. They beat us with Brissett, but that didn't matter. So I am excited to have some competition in our division again, but we're going to smack them. I can't wait until next week. See, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But I think Mitchell Trubisky, finally, that's going to be the last person we're going to talk about as quarterbacks, young quarterbacks that's thriving. It is his third year. We're not going to talk about Patrick Mahomes because everybody knows about Patrick Mahomes. What about Watson? Watson. Watson also. Also, also, see, that's the thing. We have a top-tier quarterbacks or young quarterbacks, and then we have guys that just out of nowhere, Kyle Allen. Yeah. Gardner Minshew, who just came out of nowhere. Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes. Yes. We can say Danny Dimes uh, having to come in out of nowhere. So it's it's like two tiers where, yes, we know that these young quarterbacks are going to be elite. You can throw Lamar Jackson with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Established guys who yeah, already, we already we believe know. in. Right. But these young guys coming out of nowhere, and it's looking good for the NFL so we can pass on those. Eli Manning's and get Tom Brady, Tom Brady those oh, watch it. and <laughs> the Philip Rivers, the the older guys, so they can push out of the league, and we know that everything is going to be all right with these young guys. Yeah, the the hands of the league are are okay. The league is in good hands. All right, Gabe, I'm gonna let you take it away for. Oh well, I would like to inform everybody that me, Gabe, and Patton, we're doing a little wager this year. We're gonna have five games this week and. So we're going to predict what it is, who is going to win, and for future references, we're going to predict the line as well. And then the, that wager is going to be whoever comes out last. It's going to have to buy everybody lunch. Is this for dinner. the season or for the week? For the or, season. Okay. Oh, I, don't 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 act like this is just for one week. Oh no! Like I was uh, like every week we're buying dinner. No, no, no. It's okay, just one was, time. Just my, one time. My, my paycheck was kind of <laughs> kind of in my ear. Oh, Are we we'll, sure about this, Pat? But. Yeah, we don't have the money like that. (laughs) (laughs) College students, guys, college students. All right, first game, we got the Cowboys at Saints. Patton, I want your choice of what you got for me. Uh, I got Cowboys. I don't like uh, the Saints at all, to be honest. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is that big of uh, of a deal. He had a good week last week against the the Seahawks. Granted, both of their touchdowns or most of their touchdowns were on the defensive end, but I like the Cowboys. Give me the Cowboys. Marcus? I'm going to go with Dak Prescott leading the – Troops for Dallas. Is Dallas at home or on the road? That's 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 one thing that I made me a toss up. I wasn't for fully sure about it. I can find out right now, sir. Uh, I believe it'll be at Saints. Ooh, yeah, that's, it'll be at Saints. Yep. And uh, Nola. I want I want to say Nola, but hopefully Teddy Bridgewater can ride up to New Orleans. But I'm gonna have to go with this 
with the Cowboys? Uh, the Cowboys' offense is complete. Their defense is pretty good. Yep. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to score more points than Dak Prescott is. Ezekiel Elliott. Cowboys. All right, Eagles-Packers. Marcus, we'll start with you this time. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers start off hot. Carson Wentz is going to take too long in that fourth quarter, try to mount a comeback, but it's going to be too late. I got Packers. Um, I'm going to go Eagles. Uh, I'm going to go Eagles for one reason. They're going to get Alshon Jeffrey back this week. You, I don't know if anyone saw that video of the, the, of the guy catching <laughs> the baby saying he's catching better than Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> I can confirm I do believe that this, this young man will be at the game this but, week. So uh, I think a- Aguilar will have a big week. And uh, give me the, uh, the Eagles. And also my hate for Matt LaFleur continues. <laughs> Screw you, Matt LaFleur. <laughs> I think the Packers are possibly the third best, third or fourth best team in the league right now. So give me Pat Packers, uh, Patriots, Bills, Patriots. That's me. Uh, I agree. Uh, the Bills are taking steps towards the right direction, but one thing Bill Belichick does great is he takes away that first option, and that's when uh, Allen gets in trouble. Is when that first option's away and he wants to scramble, they're just going to leave a spy in there for him. Give me the the Patriots. Don't get me wrong. If we wasn't doing this wager, I would pick the Bills. <laughs> but but money's on the line. Money <laughs> is on the line and that defense is going to stop the passing game for the Bills. And right now Josh Allen's probably gonna be just scrambling for his life because he has nobody to throw it to. So I'm gonna go Patriots. I'm gonna say Patriots big. Okay. The Titans Falcons. Uh Patton. Uh there's no logical reason I should take this, but give me the Titans. All right, <laughs> Marcus. I'm going Matty Ice becoming back to Matty Ice <laughs> <laughs> and saying that Julio Jones is going to be like all him. over Malcolm Butler. And and I agree. Uh, <laughs> Three touchdown game. Falcons. I'm going Falcons <laughs> as well. All right, last game, Ravens-Browns. Who we got? Uh, I'm going Ravens. Still don't like the Browns. Don't think I'll like the Browns all season. Uh, I do like Lamar Jackson. He's making steps. Uh, give me the Ra- Ravens by double digits. Marcus. All right. I will go with the Ravens as well. Only reason why I think the Ravens can win this team, this this game, is that the secondary is very questionable for the Browns. And I feel like Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews are going to have a big game. I believe not in the Browns. The Ravens will win big. Marcus. All right. Thank you guys for listening for episode two. It is September 25th at 538 here at WAPX WAPX FM Clarksfields 91.9 and APSU TV. This is Just Talking Sports.